morning, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. I was just reminded this morning that God is a promise-keeping God. And how many of you like to use vouchers in the house of the Lord? Vouchers. How, how many of you are like very anti-uncle? Okay, I also, okay, very a bit stingy. Okay, but vouchers. Okay, so I mean God's promise is like a voucher that He gives to us. But if we just receive a voucher, we feel happy about it, we feel joyous about it, there's that potential that this voucher could be useful. But in order for the voucher or the promise of God to be useful, we need to, we need to go and cash in the voucher. Like we go, for example, maybe McDonald's. Like I got this McDonald's fizzy, free Coke, small Coke voucher. Uh, if, I don't, if I just keep it in my wallet and don't, don't do anything about it, it's going to expire. But what I need to do is if I want to redeem this, this voucher, I need to go and go to the McDonald's and do something about it. Similarly with the, promise, the promises of God. God gives us so many promises in His Word. He's our healer. He's our provider. He says that He will be always there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But this morning, God is reminding us that we need to do something about it. We need to claim the promise. I mean, there will be hindrances to us claiming the promises of God. But God wants to give us the strength to be able to push past all those distractions and those difficulties and say, God, I stand upon your word no matter what. And the good thing about God's promise is, you know, vouchers got expiry date. But for God's promise, no expiry date. He says, the, the, the word of God says that the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ will never lose his power, that his blood still cleanseth us today. Amen? And this morning is also 1st of May, the 1st of the month. And I just was curious and a bit kepo, just scrolling through my calendar just now. This, um, this, for Sundays this year, um, May is the only Sunday where we'll be able to gather on the first, first day of the month for on a Sunday. So it's a good thing that we can come together on the first day of the month, the first day of the week, to be able to praise the Lord together. Amen? And it's also Labor Day. But don't worry, today you don't have to work or to uh, just relax. I mean, the ministry team is uh, doing their best. We're also preaching and that kind of thing. You don't have to work, just rest. Because God promises that we have a rest in Him today. How many of you feeling tired in the house today? And you can be honest, okay? Also a bit sore throat, but don't worry. God can give us strength when we get. God can renew us and give us the strength that we need. Amen. In Jesus' name, let's just let's just commit this time of um, His word into God's hands in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that we can gather as the people of God this morning, Jesus, to be able to partake of Your word, Jesus. Father, you say in Your word, Jesus, that haraboko shotoro kurabahasashati be transformed by the renewing of our minds by the word of God. We, we trust and believe, Jesus, your promise to be true, that when we come into your presence and you begin to speak to us, that your word is able to wash over me, your word is able to renew my mind, renew my spirit, refill us and refresh us, O oh God. Just like Brother Charles talked about last week, Father, this morning, God, if you're feeling empty in certain areas of our life, Lord, refill us, O oh God, refill us, O oh God, that we will be full of the spirit that we will be full, Father, of your strength, O oh God, and we will be full and filled, Father, with your wisdom. Let your word be mixed, O oh God, with our faith that it will profit us, O oh God, and not just us in this place, but the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. In Jesus' name. Amen? So last week, Brother Charles preached a wonderful message talking about strategies for stressful times, what to do when stressful times happen, and we, I mean, we cannot avoid it. Like stressful times will come. Stressful situation will come. Okay, especially in Singapore, we are kind of, a, we are kind of used to it. Like, used to stress in our daily lives. Like, for example, in the morning, 
Uh, now, like Brother Bong just now talked about it, the, the MRT is back to peak already. 8.15, 8.30, I get into Sengkang MRT and then I'm packed like sardines. A bit, that can be a point of stress as well, but we try not to be too affected by it. Okay? So today, I want to continue in the same train of thought, and, uh, of thought and talk about this topic called being still. Being still in the presence of God. Okay, and hopefully this message won't lull you to be so still until you <laughs> fall asleep. Okay, don't, don't, please, please. Won't be too long, hopefully. So most of us will have heard of this famous verse from Psalms 46 verse 10, which says, Be still and know that I am God. Okay? For some of us, the term being still can sound like a very welcome respite to our busy lives. We are happy to hear this term, be still. God tell us, invite us, His promise to be still. Because why? I see many faces around this place and all of us got different roles, different responsibilities. Many of us not just hold one role or responsibility. I think all of us actually hold more than one, a combination of both, okay, uh, of many responsibilities. For example, you may be a student who has to grapple with assignments, quizzes, discussion boards, and FYPs and exams. Okay? Or you may be an employee who is just trying to do your best at work. Or an employer or, or a supervisor who's trying to do your best in leading uh, your subordinates. Or you may be a full-time mom of three kids. Quite, quite a few full-time mom of three kids over here. One kid, two kid, three kid is still uh, tiring, lah, honestly. Who is doing all that you know how to train up a child in the way that he or she should go. Or you may be a combination of one or more of these examples. Okay, so number one, uh, being still could be a welcome respite. You're, you're, you're excited, happy to hear that you know, God wants us to be still. Or, for example, for me, honestly, when I, uh, I, mean, I, was, I felt led to preach this message to be about being still, I sometimes feel that being still can be, like, why waste time being still? As I prepared this message, I could identify with that thought, that thought pattern that being still is a waste of time. I, I thought, I got so many responsibilities already, and mind you, it's legit, legit responsibilities. Work, taking care of the family, housework, ministry, where I got time to be still before the Lord. So that was my kind of thinking. So, but obviously, I'm not here to tell you that being still is a waste of time. Because as I dig deeper, as I studied more, as I prayed about it, I realized that being still is not a waste of time. It actually is very productive spiritually. So before I talk about what being still is, I'm going to talk to you about what being still is not. And to illustrate this point, I have a very special uh, illustration from South Korea. I know we... Uh, not many of us have travelled to South Korea, maybe go to JB, but okay, this uh, point, this story, or this competition will illustrate what being still is not. There's an event or a competition in South Korea, it's called the Space Out Competition. And how many of you hear about this Space Out Competition before? Hey, nobody, okay. Never mind, you're going to learn about it now, okay? It's an annual competition where participants, they gather on a grass patch without phones or other distractions. The question is simple. Uh, the, 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 the winner is the one who is the best at doing absolutely nothing. Okay, there's going to be photos flash, flash in the graphics later on. Thank you, Sister Brava. On the day of the competition, the group convenes or they gather at a central location. So imagine it's their Honglim Park, lah, but with more trees. Okay, they call it jungle. I mean, Singapore, they like to do jungle bathing. I never do before. I only do bathe at home. Okay. They remove their phones and other distractions and proceed to float on to nothingness. To be successful, so the winner is the one who is able to embrace the feeling of nothingness and to avoid distractions altogether. During the competition, the contestants' heart rate is checked every 15 minutes, one five minutes, 
And the winner is the one with the most stable pulse, the most chill, the most chill, chill. I think many of us will not do too well in this competition. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it may look like the Subaru Impreza, like you put the car, the, put your hand on the car, but this one, you just sit there. You see, you see the photo there? Oh, like, show like that. So, this is not what being still means. Although they got the removing distractions part, right? They remove all the distractions, uh, uh, don't think about anything, uh, try not to be too dis uh, distracted by anyone around them and just chill. Their end goal of spacing out is not the same end goal of being still. I say again, being still and spacing out is not the same thing. In fact, in some sense, they are opposites. Why? Because spacing out focuses on emptying one's mind. Everybody say emptying. Whereas being still before the Lord causes us to redirect one's mind on Jesus. So I say again, space out, you're trying to empty your mind. Uh, empty your mind, your thoughts, remove distractions. However, the goal of being still is to redirect. It, I mean, primarily is to remove distractions, but after that, to redirect our minds to focus upon God. What God wants, what God is trying to speak to us. Amen? So if I, when I talk about what being still is not, now I'm going to share with you what being still is. And being still, like what I talked, shared with you all just now, comes from the scripture, Psalms 46, verse 1 to 11. So during today's message, there's going to be a lot of scriptures, a lot of promises of God. And I, I acknowledge that not all these promises may be applicable to you at this current season of your life, but I guarantee that one or more of them will be applicable. And when you feel that word is for you, I want you to embrace it and claim it for yourself. Amen? Psalms 46, verse 1 to 11. For the choir director, a song of the descendants of Korah to be sung with soprano voices. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortitude. Amen? So the context of this scripture, Psalms 46 was written primarily at that point in time when this scripture, when this scripture was written by the psalmist. It was, uh, was written to Israel and God was uh, positioned Israel among pagan nations. So they were in war, they were in turmoil, they were in chaos. Not, some, not, not, not much different to what perhaps Ukraine is going through right now, surrounded by pagan nations. But I mean, Ukraine, I mean, Israel at that point in time did not have many allies. La. They were one against the many pagan nations who were surrounding them. So you can imagine if you were a citizen of that country or a soldier of that country, you would be a bit fearful because you don't know when you will lose your life, that kind of thing. Okay? So they were in war and fighting against these surrounding nations. And instead of continuing, as in, instead of God commanding them to continue to defend and to fight and to uh, fortify their, their fortress, 
God was saying was reminding them through the psalmist that at the end of the day, you do your best fighting, that kind of thing. But I want to invite you right now to lay down your weapons and acknowledge that I am your refuge and your fortress, that they could find protection and safety in Him. So if you see Psalm 46, instead of God telling them, go to your, go and take refuge in your citadel or your castle, go and fortify or to sharpen your knives or to, uh, make, make, or to equip yourself more, God was instead, of telling, instead telling them to find refuge in Him. And in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So that was applicable to Israel at that point in time. I'm now going to break it down and uh, perhaps relate it to us, to me, to myself in, in our daily lives. So what does being still look like for us? It's broken up into three points so we, can, we are able to remember. First one, be still. And the key word there is stop. S-T-O-P, stop. So everybody says stop. So what does it mean to be still? So I just did a, a simple word study on the word still. The word still is a translation of the word, the Hebrew word rapa, R-A-P-A, which means to slacken, to let down, or to cease, to stop. In some instances, the word carries the idea of to, uh, to drop, to be weak, or to be faint. The invitation to be still here is to stop frantic activity. So stop whatever you're doing, to stop. Um, um, doing and, and trying to solve our own issues. The image there that God wants to paint for us is He's putting a stop sign wherever we are at, whatever we are doing to recalibrate. So it's to stop and then to recalibrate, to redirect our lives to God. So when I uh, heard of, when I, when I realized that, you know, be still meant stop and recalibrate, I thought about this scripture. Psalms 43, verse 5 to 6. This was when David, or the psalmist, was speaking to himself. He realized that his soul, his soul, his spirit, his schedules was in turmoil. He was topsy-turvy and he was confused. He said, Why are you in despair, O my soul? So he was talking to himself. So for you, for those of you who talk to yourself, don't worry, you're not going nuts, okay? It's normal. And why are you restless and disturbed within me? So that portion... Why are you in despair, O oh my soul, and why are you restless and disturbed within me? The psalmist was coming to a point whereby he realized that, hey, this is not good, man. He was stopping. He was trying to troubleshoot, asking why is he in this way. But he didn't stop there. He proceeded on to direct his focus and his thoughts to God. Hope in God and wait expectantly for Him, for I shall again praise Him, the help of my sad countenance and my God. So we see clearly in that scripture whereby God uh, being still talks about stopping in our tracks and recalibrating and redirecting our focus to God. So, preaching to myself and, and, and relating this, how does being still uh, apply in our day and age today? Perhaps it could be stop using our phone for a while. Uh, I think Brother Sam talked about it. I haven't been able to do it successfully. I think he only, uh, he makes sure when he wake up in the morning, he don't access his phone for the first hour of waking up. He, he will, he will uh, be still before the Lord, thank God, pray, have a quiet time with God, then he will use his phone later. Maybe that might work for you, or maybe something else, another strategy. For me, it is, and I'm preaching to myself, stop packing your schedule to the brim. And for me, I think, Tai pointed this out, whenever I have a free day or free five hours, I will look for Charles, I will look for, for Kiran, I will look for all my friends and, hey, what are you doing? Because the, in, the hidden intention or meaning is, hey, you want to go out or not? Like, you want to hang or not? You want to you wanna go out or not? Then, obviously, my, my wife will be like, why are, you, why are you killing yourself? Why are you packing yourself to the brim? Do you, do you not know how to rest? 
Yeah. Stop your doubting, worrying, or overthinking. Stop doing your work just for a while. Let go of whatever is on your mind and be still. So, I mean, I just listed a few of the examples. I want, I want to invite you to start thinking about what does it mean to stop in your life? What is the strategy for you to be still? Okay? So that's the first portion. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still is the first portion. Is stop. Second point. The word is no. Everybody say no. Know that I am God. So the, what does it mean to know? Know in this instance means to properly ascertain by seeing and acknowledging to be aware. Once we have stopped in our path, uh, stopped in our tracks, stopped whatever we are doing, the next step, like I talked about just now, is to turn to God, to redirect our focus and thoughts to God, is to acknowledge God. Lord, I have tasted and seen your goodness and I remember you have done so many things in my life and in the lives of others. I have a testimony today. I acknowledge that you are a good, faithful, merciful and gracious God. And Lamentations 3, 19 verse 23. Sometimes, I, I, as I read this scripture, I acknowledge that many of, a few of us may be uh, facing this uh, today, whereby we may not go, be going through a simp, uh, in, an easy life, an easy situation. In fact, like what Barabong just now said, we may be facing impossible situations that we do not know how is God going to come through in this. And perhaps you are able to identify with what the prophet Jeremiah uh, was experiencing in Lamentations. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. In Hokkien, they say very kankola. Okay? I will never forget this awful time and as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. So even there, while I read the scripture just now, there was if you can see, a stop whereby he talked about his suffering, his, homeless, his homelessness, his impossible situation, but he did not stop there. He stopped at that point in time that he recalibrated his thoughts to God. So I invite us in this place, I'm not trying, we're not trying to tell you to deny that the season and situation which you may be in right now is bad. It's difficult to trust God, honestly. But... God wants, us to God wants to invite us to look at His Word and His promise and direct our focus to Him. And He will give us the grace to do so. He does not expect us to do it by ourselves. He will hold us by the hand and journey with us all the way. Amen? The prophet Jeremiah, like I said just now, was going through a distressing time. But we are thankful to see the example that he stopped and remembered God's faithfulness, goodness, and mercy. Another thing that we need to remind ourselves as we know, know God, acknowledge God, is that we need to remind ourselves that He is all-knowing, He is present everywhere, and that He is all-powerful. Amen? Psalms 139 verse 1 to 6. For the chief musician, a psalm of David, O Lord, You have searched me and know me, and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have, you have hitched me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. So in this scripture, we need to remind ourselves of how God sees us. God is not uh, distant from us. God doesn't intend uh, uh, to, to be distant from us, but God wants to come near. God sees where we are at. The Bible says that he, he knew us. He knew our name before we were formed in our mother's womb. 
and he, even the number of hairs on our head, he knows how many there are. Some of, the, some of us think that God is angry with us, that whenever we make a mistake, for example, this week we never spend time with him, or we, we say something or sin something that we never do, that immediately when God sees that, he'll be like, hey, I don't want you anymore. I abandon you, I forsake you, or worse still, I, I strike you or I judge you. I don't bless you anymore. But that's, that's not the kind of God that we serve. God, I think we were just sharing with the kids during kids' church yesterday uh, the story about Jesus and Peter. You all remember Peter denied Jesus, not just once, but three times. And then after that, the, 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 the rooster crowed. And then uh, he was very convicted. But Jesus did not condemn or judge or kick, kick Peter out of his uh, circle of disciples. Jesus forgave Peter. And if Jesus forgave Peter, after denying, after Peter swore and denied that he knew him, God can forgive us as well. God is not a God that counts mistakes or counts failures, but God is, God is able to forgive our sin when we confess to him. Amen? Jeremiah, uh, this one we love this scripture, our promise, a promise for us, that God knows, uh, God has a plan for our lives and a destiny and a purpose for our lives. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God has a plan. Can, you, can we uh, declare that in faith for over our lives? God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. And I love this scripture. Thank you so much. And I love this scripture because it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. We may not know what thoughts God has, God thinks to what, towards us yet. We may not see our purpose and destiny all clearly, but God knows. And that's why we need to know and acknowledge God. Because when we tap in and connect to Him, He will slowly reveal what that purpose and destiny is for us step by step. Another portion about knowing God and acknowledging Him is to cast down every thought that is not of God and redirect our minds to what is true. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 talks about this, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captive to the, ob to the obedience of Christ. Okay? So whenever we come into prayer, sometimes when I try to go into the presence of God, there are many things that are going on in my, in my mind. For example, when I try to pray in the morning before going to work, I already think, hey, today I must do this. I got this presentation or I got this task to fulfill, that kind of thing. These are these are cares, these are thoughts, these are anxieties that are clouding my mind and prevent me from able, being able to connect to God. So this scripture talks about how we need to cast down those cares, cast down those arguments in order for us to be able to enter into God's presence. And Philippians 4 verse 8 talks about what we need to focus upon. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. So what this scripture is trying to tell us to say is that, you know, if there are thoughts that we know that is causing us to be burdened or causing us to be negative all the time, acknowledge that these thoughts are there. Cast those thoughts to God. Cast those thoughts down. But focus on those things which are positive. Focus on godly thoughts. Focus on God's promises and meditate upon them. Internalize them and apply them to our lives. Amen? So, casting down, acknowledging God causes us to be able to, be, to behold God as well. Everybody say, behold. When we take time to behold God, and beholding is not 
take one glance at Brother Charles, then look away. But it's, it's fo focusing, fixing our eyes, fixing our attention on God. When we do that, we will know Him, we will know His character, we will know His face, He will know His voice, and we will become like the one whom we are beholding. Many of us, including sometimes myself, I realize this, we are trying to become like Him. We are trying to modify our behavior. We are trying to let, make our lives to be in line with the Word of God without first beholding Him. And here's a, an illustration that I hope will help us to understand. So, Maddie, who is uh, sleeping right now, don't wake up, Maddie, uh, while preaching, okay? She talks like me sometimes. Uh, she has a very strong Singlish accent. For those of you who have spoken to her before, she's like, you are, don't la, that kind of thing. And sometimes even, uh, I think some people have, uh, have pointed out that she has a very strong Malay accent. She, there's a drawl to her words. Like she likes to, Papa, can, you, can we go there a while? That kind of thing. So, because we are kind of, we're pranakan, so sometimes we talk like that. So, she also picks up certain words and phrases that, that I use. For example, uh, I, 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 me and Tai always use walau, that kind of, walau at home. Then after that, she started saying this walau as well. So, we, she realized that she really copy and follow. It's not even, she don't even, we don't even need to teach her. She just hear, observe, see that she carry on and do already. Okay, why? Because she learns, she, she learns to listen to the way that we talk at home and she copies it. So similarly, if we use that uh, uh, the example and parallel it to our walk with God, in our father and child relationship with God, if we want to be more like Jesus, if I want to be more like Jesus, then we first need to spend time with him, beholding him, hearing what he says. Hearing, seeing how he does things, seeing his character in the Word of God and the stories that are, that are there. When we spend time with him, it is a natural byproduct that we will become like him. Sometimes I try to, for example, why did wake up already? <laughs> Sometimes I try to spend more, uh, be, be nicer to my wife. Like, you know, very often, Tai will tell me, hey, Alvin, why are you hurrying me all the time? We still have time. Then I say, I want to be early. I want to be early. It's a bit of, I hope it's not a last to be early. It's, I want to be early all the time, so I will hurry, hurry, hurry her. I'll use my mouth to hurry her, but my, my hands won't do anything, so I just hurry, hurry. Tell her, hurry up! That kind of thing. So, uh, I try to make myself not be like that by my own human strength, but I realize that's not possible. Uh, I need to spend time with God, beholding Him, because God is never in a hurry. God is always on time, never, I mean, in my opinion, never late, Never, never early, just on time. God's timing. And Brother Charles talked about a hurried spirit last week, and that's not something that God wants me to have. God want, not, that's not something that God wants us to have. God wants us to have a spirit that is able to be still and to be, 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 be in serenity and peace before God. Okay? Psalms 27 verse 4 says, this is a famous scripture, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Amen? So, point number one was stop. Point number two was no. So, we are stopping in our tracks we are redirecting our thoughts to God, acknowledging Him, trusting in Him, focusing our minds on Him. And the last portion is, I, is trust. I, uh, uh, God said this in Psalm 46. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I, and I 
thought that the theme there that God is wanting to help us to understand is to trust in Him. Everybody says trust. So it's stop, know, and trust. Once we have acknowledged God and reminded ourselves of the truth of who He is, our perspective changes. When we stop and take time to know God, we are changed as well. Our circumstances, our situations may still be the same. Our situation may still be impossible uh, and we do, not, we do not know how to get out of it. But when we come into God's presence, God will change our perspective through, towards our situation. So that change in perspective helps us to trust in God wholeheartedly and yield to His plan, even when sometimes God says no. We, are, we come to God with a request, God, uh, should I do this or should I not? Then God says no. Uh, when we come into God's presence, when we trust God, whatever God's answer is, we'll be able to accept it and to have, a joy, have, and have joy in it. Okay? Another illustration. Um, how many of you have children in this place? Children. Amen? Have you ever had a situation whereby your children, your child, keep asking for a lot of things? Papa, I want this, I want that. Give me this, give me that, give me vitamin, give me sweets, that kind of thing. Give me snacks. Any of you have that, uh, have that experience before? Have, right? So Maddie is at an age where she wants a lot of things. I want vitamin, I want snacks, I want to go cycling, I want rice, and I want it now. Not later, uh. she won't say, oh, daddy, can you give me tomorrow? Can you give me next week? No, it's now, right now. And when the child doesn't get it immediately, she will get upset and cry. It will escalate. Lah. Hopefully, it won't go directly. Eh, it will slow. If she whines, if you don't give it to her, it will get worse. It will escalate. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Many times, <laughs> okay, not a baby whisperer in the inverse fashion. Many times, we are like that too. We struggle. I struggle to be patient with God's process. I mean, God says, you know, uh, this, uh, God's, God says in this direction, but it doesn't happen at this point in time that we struggle. We struggle to be patient with God's process and God's timing. We, done, we want things to be done on our terms and in our timing. And honestly, it's really a struggle. But if you are in that place right now, I want you to know that God sees where you're at. God sees your desire. God sees your motivation. God sees your heart. God sees your situation. He knows your needs. He knows what is best for you. Because why? He created you and He created me. And He knows what makes us tick. God is asking that we trust Him because He wants to be our great shepherd. He wants to lead us and guide us. He wants to make us lie down in green pastures. He wants to lead us beside the still waters and He wants to restore our soul. Like Brother Charles talked about, he wants to refill our spirit. Every Sunday that when we gather in the presence of God, it's an opportunity for us to be refilled and to be refilled and to be restored. And after he is able to successfully lead us to a green pastures, lead us to still waters, and we are restored, then he is able to lead us in the path of righteousness. He will show us and direct our, our lives. If you are a young person in this place and you are wondering what God wants to do, what God, what, what God wants you to do with your life, what job He wants you to take, what ministry He wants you, He wants for you, who He wants you to marry, I want to, I want to invite you in this place to let to allow Lord, allow God to, to be your shepherd, to lead you to that green pastures, that still waters, and then I guarantee you, God will direct you and order your steps in this place. Amen. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and not lean, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. So this scripture invites us to trust in God with all our heart. Not, not, not some, not 20%, not 80%, but with all your heart. And the promise there for us is, when we acknowledge Him in all our ways, He will direct our paths. Amen? So just a recap, the three pointers of being still is to stop. Then number two, what, what is number two? No, number three? Trust. Okay, thank, thankfully I don't have to re-preach again. Okay, stop, no, and trust. Amen? Badabong teach me this uh, tip, must recap with the pointers. <laughs> Thank you, Badabong, my inspiration, and Brother Charles as well. Okay, so I thought about being still, what it means to be still. But we know in this day and age, uh, when we try to obey or to walk in God's promise, or in God's command, or God's will, there will always be hindrances. Because why? The enemy doesn't want us to be still. The enemy wants us to be confused, to be anxious, to be fearful. Because, and not trust God. Because why? When we trust God, when we uh, let God's perfect love cast away every fear, we will be stable and, 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 and unwovable no matter what situation comes in our way. So the enemy will always try to put distractions, obstructions, hindrances in our life that will prevent me, will prevent you from being still and knowing that He is God. Number one, what, he, what does He do? There's distractions in our life. Okay? Instead of being still, honestly, we turn to Alternative sources like social media, Netflix, YouTube, or work. Or sometimes for myself, I turn to sports or to working out, or even sometimes ministry to distress, to get refilled. But those things are temporary fix. It may, it may tie us over, for example, workout. I do, I do work my uh, HIIT or I go for a jog. The adrenaline will cause us to distress for a while. Now maybe it will last for five, six hours, that kind of thing, but it will wear off. It's a temporary fix for, this, for, for restoration or distressing. It may make us feel alright for a while, but after the good feelings, the adrenaline wears off, we are just left with ourselves, our own thoughts and our confusion. We are back to square one. Distractions are also dangerous because they draw us away from reality. Eternity is a reality. Heaven and hell are real places, but sometimes we have been so sucked into the entertainment of this world that what, has, what is fantasy has become reality to us. And, and this uh, scripture is a, a, a concern or a warning for us. Luke 21 verse 34 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting, which means excessive indulgence and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and so that they come upon you unawares. Okay, so God doesn't want us to uh, be consumed by the cares of this life, distractions. Amen? Point number two, uh, the second distraction, or the second hindrance that prevents us from being still before God is our desire for control. How many of you acknowledge that sometimes uh, you can be a bit of a control, uh, control junkie or control freak? I'll put up my hands first. Okay? Yes. Instead of being still, we seek to control. Why? When we control, when, we are, when our hands, when we, for example, I'm a bit of a, I struggle honestly at work to be a team player. I'd rather do it myself because why? When I do it myself, I can control the outcome, I can control the process, and I can make sure as much as possible that things are done right. But that may not be God's will all the time. Okay? Why? Singaporeans are very pragmatic people. We are very practical people. And not being in control of our lives can sound very counterintuitive. 
it's drew into us that every day we need to plan, we need to have a to-do list, we need to have a timetable. We will not overboard ourselves, that kind of thing. We need to plan for the future, save for the future, save for our rainy day. I say again, not that, not that it's wrong to plan, but when we try to have full control over our lives, when we have all the, when we have planned for our life holistically, then how can God come in to intervene? Where is God in the picture? God is left out of the picture. Our need for control can place us in a dangerous position of silencing God's voice in our lives and leaving the safety of His will. Because why? When we control our lives, when we plan everything out sweet, sweet, then nothing goes wrong, then why do we need to seek God anymore? We have no need to, to rely and to lean upon God and to trust God. Okay? Number three, our fears can also be a hindrance that prevents us from being still. Instead of being still, we always meditate on our fears by worrying and overthinking. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 uh, uh, is God's promise for us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Many times, um, we, and I'm preaching to myself, are just the opposite. So in order for me uh, to understand this scripture, I actually thought about the opposite, the opposite of, sub, of, of Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7. So the opposite is, be anxious about everything. Keep all your issues, requests, and petitions to yourself. Bottle it up. Complain all the time. And the chaos of life, which are seen through your human lenses, will cause you to be in a state of endless turmoil and restlessness. Okay. I acknowledge that sometimes I'm like that. So Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 was a real um, command or, or, or promise for me. In this state that I talked about just now, being anxious about everything, worrying about everything, controlling everything, fearing about everything, we confirm plus shock. Cannot be still and know that He is God. Because all these things are clouding our mind. Amen? The danger of letting anxiety, worry, and fear control us is that these emotions can drive us to do something. We've heard it preached many times that our, our, the root word of emotions is movement. It will move us. It will motivate us to do something that perhaps if we are controlled by worry, fear, anxiety all the time, it will motivate us to do something that we regret in the future. Honestly, we are all humans and we have this human instinct. So how many humans in the house of the Lord this morning? Raise your hands. Okay, hopefully all humans, yes. All of us have the human instinct. The human instinct is that we want to survive and self-preserve. We see those videos of, of a reality show, Survivor, or this guy get thrown on the island, he can survive so many days without food and water, he will find a way. Humans know how to survive. Humans will try to preserve themselves. And Pastor talked about, you know, when we face uh, bad situations in our life, how three different ways that we can respond. Number one, to, to, be, to, res to respond. Number two, to react or to redirect. Okay? And I can honestly uh, uh, acknowledge that sometimes when bad things happen in my life, for example, and hopefully this short analogy or story will be able to help us to understand how our emotions, our negative emotions can motivate us to do silly things. My struggle is when my, when my boss at work points out mistakes that I have made at work, I have the tendency to justify and investigate the matter. Why I want to investigate is so that I can prove that somehow I didn't make this mistake. I will do, I will go and dig. I will think in my mind, I, I will fear. Eh? What will my boss think about me? My boss will think that I'm a poor employee. 
And when I think uh, like that, I, will be, I won't be governed by peace and trust in God. However, if, and I mean, that there'll, be, there'll be that fear that I won't be in the, my employees' good books anymore, and maybe my appraisal will be very bad. But what if, instead of being governed by fear and anxiety, when bad situations come, I was governed by peace and trust in God. I will be able to trust that God is for me, that I will not need to fight my battles on my own, that He fights my battles on, be- on behalf and the battle belongs to Him. And I will be able to take responsibility and admit my mistakes. And very often, when we go through difficult situations, for example, I, I, do, I do not know how your week has been. I do not know what impossible situations that you might be facing in your life right now, which is crisis and which is very real. It may be a crisis in your own life, in your work or in your family. It may be sickness in your body. I do not know what these situations are, but I can guarantee you that God knows. God knows where each of us are at. And we see in God's word that He is Jehovah Jireh. And I always thought that Jehovah Jireh means God is our provider. But I think Brother Sam talked talk, talk to me about this very powerful truth. That before God, Jehovah Jireh is twofold. Before God provides, God sees. God sees the needs and situations that we have. And, he, and, and that is powerful in and of itself. Where we know and believe that God is the God that sees where we are at. He doesn't close his eye. He doesn't close one eye. He doesn't turn, a, turn a, his back on us. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. When we believe and trust in that promise that God sees, we will trust and believe that you know, God will provide what we need. It may not be what we want, what we expect in the situation, but it will be definitely what we need because God knows our heart, God knows our character, and God knows our makeup. Very often, we humans, myself, we try to find our own solutions to our own problems. But God is inviting us in this place to be still and to know that He is God to stop, to know and to trust Him. Amen? It's a short message today, but I want to invite us as we close this message today to take time. We have time today this morning to respond to the Word of God in Psalms 46 this morning, to be still and know that He is God. Can I invite us to rise to our feet and we're going to respond?